It is 5 p.m. and you're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. You're tuned into The Scoop, brought to you by CFRC's News Collective. Alexandra Fernandez, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Christina Laurie, Zayden Vergara, and Erica Singh. I'm Alexandra Fernandez. Here are some news updates for you folks. Cezanne's Closet is Union Gallery's ever-popular annual fundraiser and has been a beloved local arts event in Cataraqui, Kingston since 1995. Tickets are $100 each and guarantee the ticket holder one artwork, but with a twist. Tickets are drawn in lottery style and when a ticket holder's number is called, they have two minutes to claim one artwork of their choice. Over 60 artworks are available in a wide range of styles, generously donated by new generation and established artists on a local, national, and international scale. This year's edition of Cezanne's Closet includes a fundraiser preview exhibition at Union Gallery, co-curated by Queen's University art history graduate students Cicely Haggerty and Anna Douglas. All are invited to view Cezanne's Closet's artwork in person and a catalog will be available online. All funds raised directly support Union Gallery's not-for-profit mission and programming including exhibitions, artist opportunities, workshops, and more. The fundraiser preview exhibition at Union Gallery is on from January 17th until February 4th. There's a live virtual event over Zoom on Saturday, February 4th from 7 to 10 p.m. EST. You can purchase a ticket for $100 each. Union Gallery is a student-centered public contemporary art gallery at Queen's University. Union Gallery is a space centered in community and conversation driven by play, curiosity, curation, and research creation. They are located on the first floor of Stauffer Library on Queen's main campus, situated on the ancestral territory of the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabek. All are welcome and admission is always free. To learn more about Union Gallery and this event as well, visit uniongallery.queensu.ca. The gallery is open from Tuesdays to Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. We are now going to throw it over to Dinah Jansen, who conducted an interview with Mira Hurd about the new plastic ban and its effects on Canada. On December 20th, Canada's ban on six different single-use plastics came into effect. Among the items being banned are checkout bags, cutlery, and food service wares that are made from or contain problematic plastics that are hard to recycle. Over the next decade, this ban on harmful single-use plastics may result in the estimated elimination of over 1.3 million tons of hard-to-recycle plastic waste and more than 22,000 tons of plastic pollution, which is equivalent to about a million full garbage bags. But does this ban go far enough? In this segment, we are joined by Dr. Myra Hurd of the Department of Environmental Studies at Queen's University, whose research expertise is in the area of plastics and their environmental impact. Dr. Hurd, who also represented Canada at the G7 Microplastics Paris meeting in 2019, will chat with us today about Canada's ban on these six different single-use plastics and the potential outcomes of the ban. Welcome, Myra, and thank you for joining us right here on CFRC. Thank you for having me. So I know it's a basic question, but what are single-use plastics and and why are they in particular problematic? Well, single-use plastics as we know them are things like those knives and forks and spoons that we get with our takeout. Uh, it's the it's also the, the 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 containers that our takeout food comes in. So it's basically it's it's all of those shopping bags that uh, that we get or used to get at grocery stores and uh, and and takeout places where that 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 we that we put our groceries in or we put our takeout in. So single-use plastics is just a it's a just an everyday term that refers to plastics that we tend to use just once um, or, you know, once or twice, and then they get disposed of. 
Indeed, indeed. And now uh, tell us more about the plastic waste crisis in Canada and the contributing factors that have led to a federal ban on the use of these single-use plastics. Well, Canada is not alone here. Canada, like uh, like every country really in the world, is facing uh, a, we're facing a global plastics uh, crisis. We are producing ever increasing, exponentially increasing um, plastics use, which is really extremely closely tied to plastics production. And let's remember when we're talking about plastics, this is like an overall term that we're using to actually refer to a whole lot of different plastics and plastics. Um, not everyone knows, but plastics are made from fossil fuels. So when we're talking about plastics, we're really talking about oil and gas. So when we're talking about plastics production, we're talking about ramping up um, oil and gas uh, uh, extraction and production. So Canada isn't alone. I mean, we are we are with a lot of other countries around the world who are uh, producing ever increasing amounts of plastics. And a lot of these plastics are really difficult to uh, to deal with in terms of uh, we can reuse some plastics, although they degrade over time, uh, we can recycle some plastics but let's remember that in Canada we recycle about nine percent of the plastics that we're producing so mostly what we do with plastics is we dispose of them so in Canada that means we're landfilling them so we're sometimes incinerating them but mostly we're burying them in the ground so we have a big plastics problem we're increasing our plastics production we're increasing our use of plastics and we're mostly sticking those plastics in the ground. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, yes, I, I'm sure that many of our listeners are, are, are aware that that doesn't sound so great. Uh, if you're just driving down the road, you can see plastic litter everywhere, along with other types of litter too. But it's a fair amount of plastic litter that you can just see all over the roads. But then what happens when they end up in landfills? Plastics don't, they degrade, but they don't necessarily go away. What happens in the when something like that gets piled in a landfill and keeps getting piled in? Yeah. Well, I mean, we have ever increasing volumes of waste that we're putting that we're trying to put in landfills, and uh, landfills across Canada are are getting uh, are reaching their capacity. A lot of landfills are already at their capacity, and so this means that municipalities are really faced with the challenge of trying to site new landfills, which you know, understandably. Communities don't want near them. Um, so, um, you know, engineers are obviously very hard at work uh, uh, designing as safe landfills as are possible that, that will contain all of the waste together. I mean, but the thing about plastics is they degrade. They get smaller. Eventually, plastics can become microplastics, for instance, in the ocean where currents and, and weather, et cetera, are really breaking down the plastics. But plastics never really go away. We never really get rid of them. Um, they never really sort of become something else. Like food waste can become compost. But plastics waste, we really have it forever. <laughs> so it really is a, a problem, not just in the present, but we're we're kind of giving this problem to future generations um, because the plastics we're creating today and we're using today, the, our future generations will be dealing with these same plastics. So we really need to we really need to find better ways of dealing with them. Okay, and now uh, 
yes, Canada has banned the use of single-use plastics effective as of December 20th. Are we a world leader or rather a follower in this type of initiative in your view? Well, we're really a follower. Okay. <laughs> um, Bang Bangladesh um, uh, introduced a single-use plastic ban back in 1998. Um, and so uh, we are decades, uh, we're decades after Bangladesh and numerous other countries, over a hundred countries around the world have banned uh, single-use plastics, the European Union, etc. So uh, we're really lagging behind. And, and to be fair to the federal government, they introduced this ban before the pandemic, before the <laughs> global COVID pandemic. Um, and it was put on hiatus, it was put on hold. Um, and now they are, they're following through with this, with this single-use plastic ban. All right. Okay. And now will Canada's ban on single-use plastics uh, have a big impact on the plastics waste crisis overall, in your view, or, or is it more a drop in the mighty bucket in terms of, you know, an effort? Yeah, I'm, this is a this is a really interesting question. On the one hand, uh, on the one hand, it, it it's a it's a start. We need to start somewhere, um, and this this is a start, and it's something that is that is manageable. Mm -hmm. um, we can we can find uh, in 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 most cases um, substitutes for uh, for for plastics. We need. On the other hand, we need to be careful about what those substitutes are. If we're if we're simply substituting plastics uh, cutlery with, for instance, wood cutlery, then we're looking at increased deforestation, which is also a climate part of the climate crisis. So we need to we need to be we need to think about what we're replacing these um, single-use plastics with. So that's one of the what that's one of the caveats to this. Uh, to this single-use plastic span. Another caveat: it, it is it that it's really going to address less than five percent of our of our plastics use, our plastics production uh, in Canada. Greenpeace Canada put out a really important uh, report that that really shows that single-use plastics, um, this ban really addresses a very small, small proportion of the uh, of our of our of our plastics use. On the other hand, so yes, it is low-hanging fruit, so to speak. But on the other hand, I think it's a start, and I think it can be a valuable start because it can lead to other bans. Once we get this, <laughs> once we get this under our belt, let's see what else we can. Let's see what else we can decrease. Let's see what else we can eliminate in terms of plastic. So I don't think that this is a. I don't think that this is irrelevant. I don't think that it's a, that it's negative in any way. I think that it's. I think that it's a start, and we need to start somewhere. So mm -hmm. let's start here, and let's keep moving. Let's keep looking at how we can uh, eliminate and drastically reduce our plastics, our plastics use. Uh, just going back to uh, your comment about what are we going to be replacing um, uh, uh, the, the single-use plastics that are currently in circulation, what are we going to be replacing them with? But before we, we talk about that, what happens to all the single-use plastics that are currently in circulation? There are restaurants across the country that are sitting on stockpiles of you know plastic knives and forks and takeout containers. What do they do with all of this stuff if they're not allowed to use them anymore? Well, my understanding is that is that uh, um, you know restaurants and and takeout you know takeout services etc are working within with their municipalities you know they they are communicating with their municipalities and um, and um, 
and negotiating ways of, uh, of, of working through this, this sort of stockpile of, of what they have. So it really depends on the restaurant. It really depends on the service as to what uh, it depends on which grocery store, where, et cetera, mm-hmm. as to, as to what they're doing, what they're doing with their, with their, with their stockpiles. So, um, but moving forward, um, all, all, uh, all uh, companies, all restaurants, et cetera, that are using these products really are, if they haven't already, then they, then they have to uh, really uh, pivot to, to providing different products if they, if they provide products at all. Some, some services, for instance, some takeout services simply just don't provide uh, cutlery anymore. They just don't provide the plastic bags. And they're making this clear on their websites when, when, when you order these, uh, you know, when you order food or whatever, they're just making it very clear that they no longer provide these, uh, mm-hmm. these things. And so people can get used to carrying their, you know, their metal knives, forks and spoons. Um, you know, when you go to a, when you, when you go to a takeout place, you know, you just use, you just use your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, there are, you know, people, different companies are, 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 are creating different ways of dealing with this. And I think it, it's not a sort of a one size fits all. I think it, depending on the, depending on the service, depending on the restaurant, depending on where they are, et cetera, um, companies are just coming up with different ways of dealing with this. Okay. So it's an interesting thought though, uh, like what, what will replace some of the things that we just sort of take for granted when it comes to single-use plastics. For example, uh, you go to a birthday party for somebody and, uh, you know, you have 30 people there. Not everybody's going to have service sets for 30 people in their house, so they'll buy the plastic cutlery in order to ensure that everybody can have a slice of birthday cake and eat some food. Right. Mm -hmm. What are we, what would you suggest for the average uh, household (laughs) in order to think about uh, in order to prepare uh, to also pivot to when, you, you know, party planning is obviously maybe going to change, but even just we go to the grocery store. Many of us already bring those little shopping bags with us that are, that we already have, but what are some of the things that we can expect to do to really adjust as we see the decline and then disappearance of single-use plastics in our in our society? Yeah. Well, I think I think that's an excellent question, and I think I think we need to give ourselves a break. I think I think we always need time to adjust to 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 changes that happen at a at a sort of a at a societal level, right? So, I mean, in terms of party planning, so one option is is you know whoever's invited, you bring your own cutlery, you bring your own plates. I know people who do that. Another another thing that is that is really uh, underutilized but is increasingly being utilized in Canada are secondhand stores. So secondhand stores like Value Village, like et cetera, et cetera, they um, they often have uh, growing um, uh, areas where you can buy uh, you can buy plates, you can buy knives and forks, you can buy all of those things for a very very low price. Um, and so you know you can buy those thirty knives, forks, and spoons that you need. You can buy those thirty plates, and they'll be metal. They'll be they'll they'll be porcelain, um, ceramic, and so they can be they can be reused and reused and reused and reused. Uh, people can come up with uh, sharing ideas to um, 
you know, that, that, that you, when you're done with them, with your, your child's birthday or whatever, you pass them to your friend whose child's birthday is coming up. So we can, we can do this. I mean, we're highly capable of, of adapting to the situation. We just need, we just need some time to really, uh, to really, um, think of these think of these alternatives that once we introduce them once we just make this part of our of our of our sort of a, our daily routine behavior then we won't think about them anymore just like before plastics uh before plastics became so common you know sort of post uh post world war ii this is what people did so we in some ways it's about it's it's about just going back to how uh you know, people, people uh, behaved in, 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 you know, before World War Two. Mm -hmm. So we got to remember that we've already done this, actually, you know, it's, we're not, we're, we're, we're kind of reinventing the wheel here. So we can just go back to some of these, 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 these behaviors, these practices that are that our grandparents that our grandparents used. So um, it, it, it doesn't have to be as daunting as it perhaps appears at the at the moment. Mm -hmm. Okay. And well, I guess we are uh, used to not having plastic straws anymore <laughs> with our beverages, but I'm sure like maybe around the Second World War era straws didn't, maybe didn't even exist then too. So yes, we can we can certainly adjust. And that is, I guess, the key too, is uh, folks need to uh, really think about their adjustments and, and that this is now a reality and 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 one that will benefit not only ourselves, but uh, future generations too. Anything else to add before we close today? Uh, well, I think that, again, I think that this is a, I think that this is a good step forward. I think that I'm, I'm really pleased to see that Canada is, is getting on board with this. And I think, I really hope that Canadians will be talking about this single use plastics ban and they'll be talking about, okay, what else can we, the big ticket item in terms of individuals and households is of course packaging. It's much, it, it produces far more waste than does this, than what is covered under the current single-use uh, plastics ban. So that what I really want to see the government um, tackle next is packaging because a lot of the packaging that we have is really um, is plastics. Oh, um, indeed. And, and yeah, and so the, the, the big ticket item, the thing that I'm really watching um, and, 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 I, and I really hope the Canadians are watching is the government turning its attention to requiring manufacturers to design packaging so that there is, first of all, less packaging, and second of all, that that, that packaging um, has plastics alternatives so that we see far less plastics packaging because that by far, it accounts for well over 60% of the, of the plastics waste that that uh, Canadian consumers um, are shouldering, mm -hmm. um, and and so that that really is what we want to see um, the the Canadian government dealing with next. I no, I think I think that's. Uh... Uh, an astute point. Uh, I'm just thinking now, even being at the grocery store uh, last week, one of the packages that appears in my house regularly is salad greens. You go to the grocery store and I just want to get some salad or uh, tossed salad stuff. I don't mind getting the lettuce too, but it's usually wrapped in plastic as well. But oh, there's this nice arugula mix or something. I want to have that. But then it's in this plastic container and my partner and I will try to reuse those things like we'll start our plants for the spring in them. We sometimes stack some up so we can at least reuse it 
once, but then it still goes into the recycling bin. And from what I understand, may not even be recycled anyway. But it's just horrific that there's this whole giant aisle of, you know, natural looking salad that's encased in plastic. Uh, But uh, and then, you know, how many times have you purchased a thing of cookies in your life and each cookie is individually wrapped or or candy and you buy a thing of Halloween candy and every little candy has a candy wrapper around it? You know, yeah, a lot of packaging. Yeah. So I think for Canadian consumers, I mean, I think what we want to do is where we can find them when where they are available and according to our financial means we can uh, purchase things that have less packaging but really really it's about manufacturers right now they don't really have any financial incentive or regulatory incentive to create more sustainable packaging or reduce packaging. And so this is how we have this huge proliferation. So yeah, even when you're in the produce aisle, the produce aisle is is filled with plastics. Um, and, and so really the government needs to really be addressing manufacturing of uh, plastics packaging. So we as individuals, we as families can do to, can do what we can, again, according to our financial means, because as we know, sometimes products that come with less packaging are more expensive. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we can't, we, we can't just burden consumers with the entire responsibility to be affluent enough to be, to, to go green, right? We mm-hmm. need, we really need the government to start to really meaningfully regulate uh, manufacturing manufacturers to 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 reduce packaging and to and to create more sustainable packaging Mm, food for thought (laughs) well thank you very much folks we've been chatting with dr myra hurd of the environmental studies department here at queen's university about canada's ban on single-use plastics in effect as of december 20th and the band's potential impacts. Thank you so much for joining us, Myra. We really do appreciate your time and insights today. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much, Dinah, for that amazing interview with Myra Heard about the new plastic ban that has come into effect in 2023 in Canada. We're now gonna throw it over back to Dinah with the weather. And now it's time for the CFRC weather report. Tonight, there is a freezing rain warning in effect for Kingston, Odessa, Frontenac Islands, Napanee, and Consacon, with a prolonged period of freezing rain expected through the evening, with ice accretion from 3 to 7 millimeters, showers or light rain transitioning to freezing rain this evening, and snow and ice pellets moving into the overnight period into Thursday morning. On Thursday morning, freezing rain is still expected with a mix of ice pellets ending early in the morning, then mainly cloudy and a 40% chance of showers or rain showers. A risk of freezing drizzle will still be in effect in the morning, with winds becoming southwest at 30 kilometers an hour and a high plus two. At night, we'll have cloudy skies and a low minus two. Friday, we'll see cloudy skies with a 40% chance of flurries and a high of zero. Friday night, cloudy skies with a 40% chance of flurries and a low minus five. On Saturday night, cloudy skies with 40% chance of flurries and a high minus one, and the same for Saturday night and a low minus eight. And the outlook for Sunday is a mix of sun and cloud with a high minus two, and Sunday night, cloudy periods with a low minus six. And now back to Alexandra with the City of Kingston traffic report.
Thank you so much. This is your weekly traffic report brought to you by the city of Kingston. Lower Brewer Swing Bridge is closed until further notice. University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed to Jan 31st at 7 p.m. Victoria Street from Brock to Mac will be closed until January 6th. And Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until January 31st, 2023. The School Streets Initiative is still in place. The following streets are closed from 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. on weekdays until June 29th. McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. Some other delays that you can expect. Front Road from Sandy Bay Lane to Country Club Drive. You can expect some traffic delays due to lane reduction to a single lane in each direction. Highway 33, east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard. You can also expect some delays. And Jackson Mills Road near the KNP Trail will be reduced to one lane for roadside safety improvements, but remains open in both directions. That's all for The Scoop. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't go anywhere because we have more amazing programming coming up next. Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.